Welcome to the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network, the podcast 10 for 10, which brings you the week's top 10 compliance stories curated together in one podcast each week. Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, brings you the compliance professional stories you need to be aware of at the end of your busy week. Sit back and in 10 minutes, hear about the stories every compliance professional should be aware of. Every Saturday, 10 for 10 highlights the most important news, insights, and analysis for the compliance professional, all curated by the voice of compliance, Tom Fox. Get your weekly filling of compliance stories with 10 for 10. Hosted by Tom Fox. 10 for 10 is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Stories from the week ending January 6, 2024. We begin with four stories from the Wall Street Journal. First up, in a story from Richard Vandeford, he reports that businesses are looking at possible political protests as a compliance risk. Obviously, America is as polarized as it has ever been, and now businesses and indeed compliance professionals are uh, considering public protests as a risk uh, escalating political polarization. And it's something that every compliance professional needs to have on their risk radar, whether it be inside the United States or outside the United States going forward. Uh, Next up. From um, politics at the Wall Street Journal, Jack Gallum and Kate O'Keefe reporting that um, former President Trump was paid or his companies were paid over $7.8 million by foreign governments and foreign government officials while he was president. These were paid to properties that um, paid for services or rooms at Trump properties in Washington in Las Vegas, it was clearly an attempt to influence, and indeed did influence, uh, President Trump in a large number of his decisions. And it certainly certainly shows the um, why the emoluments clause uh, was violated multiple times by President Trump during his pendency as uh, the 45th president of the United States. Next up. The, uh, from the Risk and Compliance Journal, Richard Vandeford again reporting that the um, acting comptroller of the currency, Michael Woos, has uh, said that he is going to take on the drive fast and crash culture that has become uh, prominent in the banking industry. Although he certainly feels the banking industry is sound, um, and that there's resilience, financial resources, uh, abundance. There is internally a lot of discussions about uh, broken culture in numerous banks. The SVB Bank clearly, uh, and of course, Signature and Credit Suisse, Suisse obviously had broken cultures, certainly not cultures of compliance. But when it goes to the banking industry, it goes to an entirely different level of concern. So, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he can impact culture. The Department of Justice has been talking about culture for several years, 
and now we're having it by uh, comptroller of the currency in his discussions as well. Uh, finally, uh, our last journal, a rather article from the Wall Street Journal, uh, comes from Mingi Sun and the Risk and Compliance Journal, and it discusses the uh, new um, law, Foreign Extortion Prevention Act, or FIPA, which allows the U.S. government to prosecute foreign officials who demand or receive bribes. Um, there's lots of questions about this, basically how you're going to enforce it, but it's a great step forward uh, in the anti-corruption efforts begun by the United States with the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act back in 1977. So a gaping hole in that law was the demand side of the bribe. Well, that gaping hole has now been filled with FIPA. Our next story comes to us from CNN, uh, which reports that uh, corrupt Senator Bob Menendez, or allegedly corrupt, I should probably say, um, has had additional charges filed against him by the Department of Justice. These involve uh, influences purchased by the government of Qatar uh, through gifts and entertainment and other benefits paid to uh, Menendez and or his family and or close friends. So more trouble for Senator Menendez. He, of course, has denied all charges. Next up from the New York Times deal book, a article on the fight over DEI in the C-suite. Uh, rabid uh, right-wing conservatives are gleeing over the resignation of Claudine Gray as Harvard president. They don't seem to realize it was over her plagiarism. Uh, but of course, she's a black woman and they wanted to get rid of her on that basis alone. But uh, now they're taping aim, taking aim at the board. Now, you have to understand that the people who are fighting DEI are old white guys. Gee, I wonder why that is. But uh, they want to destroy the progress made and make it more difficult for anyone other than old white guys to get these positions. Definitely not a good thing for business. Uh, next up, from, the, from Bloomberg Law, uh, an article by Stephen Cohn, well-known whistleblower, advocate, and attorney, who discusses the anti-money laundering law, anti-money laundering whistleblower improvement act, which he believes has the potential to become the most effective transnational anti-corruption law on the books. Um, the law has uh, updates the program, which was came into effect in 2020, and he believes that it will really help to broaden the base of money laundering awards uh, for whistleblowers or uh, reports of money laundering awards for whistleblowers going forward. We can uh, certainly only hope so. Uh, next up from the New York Times, surprise, surprise, the National Labor Relations Board has found that SpaceX illegally fired workers who were critical of its CEO, Elon Musk. Um, once again, showing that Musk will uh, tolerate no even thought dissent in his organization. Employees who were um, circulating a letter critical of uh, the founder were fired for calling on SpaceX to distance itself from his social media comments on the platform formerly known as Twitter. So um, Musk just um, really doesn't want anyone to say or even think anything bad about him, and I don't know how that 
improves your corporate governance, but apparently that's what he wants. Comes to us from the Financial Times in a very interesting article entitled Big Four Rethink Corporate Governance After a Year of Missteps and Scandals. I can't think of a year which was worse for the Big Four, although I'm sure Francine McKenna would tell us uh, she's the ultimate authority on all things Big Four. And, uh, but governance reform is critical for uh, the Big Four, particularly around their structure. And of course, their structure is a partnership structure, but now with literally hundreds of thousands of employees across the world, this corporate governance structure of a small partnership does not work at all. And it allows um, branches in countries outside the United States to go off on their own and do some very untoward things, uh, similar to what we saw from their accounting scandals uh, regarding capture in South Africa. And our final story comes to us from Bloomberg, which reports that Alexandra Francesca, former co-chief executive at Altice, has left the company in the wake of the uh, huge corruption scandal in Portugal. This is the largest corruption scandal ever in uh, Portugal itself. It's going to be interesting to see what the Portuguese authorities do uh, around the allegations of bribery and corruption by one of its biggest companies. Thanks for listening to this episode of 10 for 10. As I mentioned in prior episode, this is the one request I've received most often from podcast listeners of the Daily Compliance News to put together a summary at week's end so that every compliance professional can catch up on the news quite quickly. So I hope you will subscribe, rate, and review to this new podcast edition to the Compliance Podcast Network family, 10 for 10. If you've got an idea for a podcast, I'd love to hear from you. I start many shows based upon ideas from listeners. Give me a shout. You can reach me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. 10 for 10 is a proud member of the Compliance Podcast Network.